In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Almighty Father, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of St. Joseph, who responded throughout his life to the presence of the Holy Spirit, as the guardian of your Son and of his mother. Help us to embody his spirit, to embody his gifts, to embody his faith, his obedience, and his love, to do always what you ask of us, to do it immediately, to do it courageously. We ask this through Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Monsignor Brockman called me yesterday, late in the day, and explained the situation and asked if I would speak on the life of St. Joseph. I said yes. It's really a great honor to be able to be here with you, but in particular to speak about a figure such as St. Joseph. It isn't often today that people really give St. Joseph much thought. We hear of him in the scriptures briefly. He may reflect briefly on what he has done. But he doesn't have the same influence that he once had, nor the same devotion that he once had. And he should. And I once was speaking to an Episcopalian priest about the Blessed Mother. And he said to me, I said to my congregation yesterday, you sometimes ask me why Catholics make so much out of the Blessed Mother and why they are so uh, devoted to her. And why they really are so concerned about their relationship with her. The reason is because they ought to be, and so should we, because of who she is and what she did. We may say, in a different way, that St. Joseph should have that effect upon our lives also. It was common in churches in the old days, and still is to some extent. When you walked into a parish church, as you know, there would be on the left side a statue of the Blessed Mother. On the right side, the statue of St. Joseph. And there would be a Latin statement embedded in the altar that said, Ite ad Joseph, go to Joseph, in the plural, go to Joseph. Because he had so much to teach us. And it's strange, isn't it? To speak on the life of St. Joseph, I could do it probably in five minutes. Not even that long, actually. His life is kind of an enigma. What do we know about St. Joseph, really? There are all kinds of apocryphal gospels and all kinds of stories that have been written about him. But our real knowledge of St. Joseph isn't all that great. And yet, his effect upon the church, his effect upon our lives, ought to be, ought to be a very powerful effect, and a powerful influence on who we are when we think of his qualities. He's, as I said, a mysterious man. 
There are certain qualities we know from the very beginning. I mentioned this morning, if you were at the 8 o'clock Mass at St. Joseph, you've heard some of this already. Certain qualities that stand out. First of all, he's mentioned in two genealogies, St. Matthew and St. Luke. Traced back in the one to Adam and the other to Abraham. He's royalty from the line of David. And yet, he comes and he goes. And in each case, in each attribute that we see in him, we should see ourselves. He has something to tell us that is incredibly profound. Let's begin with some aspects of his life. We know nothing about his history, his childhood. We know he had a profession. He was a carpenter, although carpenter is a vague word, not in our sense of the word carpenter, not the kind of carpenter you will find in Carborough, who makes specialty items for rich people. He was a carpenter in the sense probably as in a construction man. He worked in construction. That's what carpenters did. They were building a great many cities around the area in the time. He probably worked on them, and our Lord probably worked on them also. He had a profession. We know that. And then he enters, but he enters not on his own. He has no history outside of the Blessed Mother, and in particular, of course, our Lord. His history is never his own. We always see him in relationship to somebody else. So the first qualities we can see in him might be natural qualities. He was a man of obedience. He was a man of silence. He was a man of courage. He never speaks. You know, you see icons of St. Joseph, like the Blessed Mother. They have big eyes and small mouths. <laughs> they're always observing, but they seldom ever speak. St. Joseph never speaks. Never. The Blessed Mother does, but he never does. He's the man of silence. He's the contemplative man. He's, in some ways, after the Blessed Mother, a perfect combination of contemplation and action. We first see him in a rather unusual situation with the Blessed Mother, the first time we encounter him, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, where all of a sudden he is faced with his betrothed expecting a child. And we are told, we are, we are told about his reaction. We are told about his decision, but not his reaction. It doesn't matter. Here again, you see the silence of the man? There's nothing really powerful it would seem about him. He, he makes a decision, finding out that she's expecting a child to divorce her quietly. He had three choices, actually, which to us will seem very strange. The one was to divorce her quietly. The other was to send her to Jerusalem for a trial by ordeal. If she lived, she was innocent. If she died, she was guilty. And the third was to strangle her himself with the help of one close friend. Uh, he chose the honorable thing to divorce her quietly. And now begins the mystery in his life. Always, too, notice in a dream. He never has a vision as she did. There is no archangel appearing while he is awake. It's always in his sleep. I've often thought that he should have been an insomniac. Because every, whenever he went to sleep, he would, he would have a vision of an angel telling him to do something now. And it was always something very strange. 
something that would make no sense necessarily at all to him, but he did it. And there's this dream that says, Joseph, have no fear about taking Mary as your wife. It's through the Holy Spirit that she has conceived this child. So he does. He accepts that immediately. Notice the obedience of the man. It's really quite incredible. Um, his response in faith. That also is one of his qualities. Obedience, silence, and now on a different level, a man of faith. We'll see more in him also. I don't intend to go on for the full half hour, by the way. But a man of faith. He believes. So he accepts the Blessed Mother as his wife. And then there is the journey to Bethlehem and all the difficulties that go with that. And he is simply there doing what he's told to do because he knows he must do it. We have lost the concept of obedience in our world. You may have noticed that. Of the evangelical councils, poverty, chastity, and obedience, poverty is in. Chastity and obedience are out. He's both. Chastity and obedience. Perfect chastity and perfect obedience. He does what he is told because he knows he ought to do it. So he takes her as his wife, and then he is told to take the child into Egypt. Take the child into exile. Again in a dream. And to do it immediately. And he does it. You see what we, you and I have to learn about the gospel? The gospel ethic is not something that happens over a period of time. It may in some cases. But in every case in our lives, when we have a directive from the Lord, we have to respond immediately. We don't, as a rule. But St. Joseph always, always did. Immediately he responds and takes the Blessed Mother and our Lord into Egypt. Where he waits for another message, which he gets, to take the child back, and he does. They return because of obedience. That's the nature of St. Joseph. And then we see him again in the temple at the presentation. Here again we see something very strange. He's there with the Blessed Mother, and Simeon comes out, and Simeon addresses who? The Blessed Mother, not St. Joseph. He never speaks to St. Joseph at all. He speaks to the Blessed Mother. St. Joseph, it would seem, is marginalized. Does that bother St. Joseph? No, he's doing what he knows he has to do. In a day when we're so fixated on enhancing our self-esteem, St. Joseph is a complete contradiction to our age. Self-esteem had no meaning for St. Joseph. His job was to be in the background and do what he was supposed to do, to guard and protect these two, our Lord and the Blessed Mother. That's what he did. So Simeon addresses the Blessed Mother and speaks of her future, not his. And St. Joseph is content with that. And yet at the same time, imagine the real influence that we don't know. Think of our Lord's life. It's a wonderful thing to think about when we think of our own lives. 30 years in silence, 30 years in obedience. Three years preaching and working miracles, and three hours doing what he was sent to do, redeeming us on the cross. But for those 30 years, or part of those 30 years, St. Joseph was the one who was influencing him in many ways. Taught him a profession. His own speech would have been like his father's as well as his mother's. St. Joseph was a powerful influence on his human nature. And then, after the presentation of the temple, we hear nothing of St. Joseph again until 
the presentation until our Lord is in the temple, is lost. They lose him. You know, that's as close as the Blessed Mother ever came to understanding sin. Sin is to lose God. She lost her son for three days. That's as close as she ever came to, to understanding what sin was. And so now they go looking for, the, looking for our Lord, who's 12 years old. They find him in the temple. Who speaks? The Blessed Mother speaks, not St. Joseph. He again is silent and obedient. And yet, he's always a powerful figure, isn't he? He's not weak or intimidated. He has the courage of obedience. Think of that. It, it takes nothing to do my thing. It takes no courage whatsoever to do what I want to do. It takes great courage to be obedient to another. To be obedient to the will of God, even greater courage. To be obedient when it makes no sense whatsoever at times, greater courage still. And so there he was. Once again, in a rather strange situation, and she speaks. Son, why have you done this? Your father and I. She speaks for him, instead of the other way around, which you might expect in this situation. Your father and I have been looking for you. What does he do? He confronts his mother. Why were you, you, the two of you, looking for me? Did you not know that I would have to be in my father's house? And from that moment on, St. Joseph disappears from the scriptures. Once he designates God as his father, St. Joseph never appears again. We never see him or hear of him. Our Lord is mentioned as the son of the carpenter, but that's all. St. Joseph has no more role to play. He's done what he was supposed to do. What happened to him, we don't know. We assume that he died before our, public, our Lord's public life began because he's never mentioned again. The Blessed Mother is but he isn't. Again, as I mentioned this morning in my homily, for those of you who are there, uh, there are many stained glass windows and paintings of the death of St. Joseph, surrounded by our Lord and the Blessed Mother, which is why he's the patron saint of a happy death. What a wonderful way to die, surrounded by our Lord and the Blessed Mother. Uh, patron saint of a happy death. Uh, and again, he just dis disappears in obedience and in silence, once again. What can we learn from him? Well, again, those things I just mentioned. We learn faith. We learn obedience. We learn silence. You know, we live in a very noisy world. St. Joseph should be a patron saint for our world because our world needs a great deal more silence than it gets. We live in a world where there's constant noise, totally foreign to the ancient world, particularly St. Joseph. And we talk too much as a rule, too. Um, we talk idly about things we don't need to talk about. The imitation of Christ said, you know, uh, very often we go out, we come back being less a person because we've talked too much. Uh, we have too much to say. And we don't want silence in our lives. So much so we're actually afraid of it. St. Joseph would be a very strange person in our world. I I'm often amazed at how people cannot live for even a short period of time in silence. I've known people, for instance, in the morning who will get up and turn on the radio for actually no good reason whatsoever. Listen to something all day, and at night, if they're alone, the last thing they'll turn off is the radio. Because silence is so foreign, which is why St. Joseph is a man for our time. A man who was not only accustomed to silence, but who never spoke. I'm sure he did, but not in the scriptures. 
We need more of that in our world. As I said, he's the perfect combination of contemplation and action. When he had to act, he acted. When he was meant to, to observe and to consider, to contemplate, he did it. Uh, that's a good role for fathers, by the way. Uh, I, I don't think that people understand St. Joseph in that role today. Um, and as a result of that, fatherhood in our day has become so twisted because of the culture. We need to go back to St. Joseph for a renewal of what fatherhood means. For all those qualities, faith, obedience, the silence, not that we don't say anything, but a silence that means that we are able to speak when we need to speak. When we speak, we say things that really mean something and have value. And again, those other qualities of his, um, he was willing to accept whatever came. Whatever came, however it came to him, whatever, it didn't really matter because he knew what his job was about. You know, we don't even know how old he was. Usually we see him pictured as a young man. We don't know that. Some people thought he was actually an older man, even a widower, maybe. In fact, there was a time when they thought that our Lord, some, uh, brothers and sisters in the scriptures were actually his child, his children by a previous marriage. Even Michelangelo painted a, did a painting in which he has his children from a former marriage present in the house at Nazareth. That's not very much considered today, but it was a thought. Uh, he may have been an older man. We really don't know who, what he was. See how little we know about him? We know more about the Blessed Mother, of course, but we don't know that much because we don't need to know that much. He, needed, he didn't want to be known that much. So he's the patron saint of a happy death. He's the patron the protector of the universal church. After all, he was the protector, the guardian of our Lord, and so he's the guardian of his mystical body also, the church. He is the guardian of the church. We pray to him for the church. Also, of course, of all kinds of other people, who knows how many countries, you know, of carpenters, of workmen, of fathers, all these people. He's a patron to all these people. And as we go through his life, we once again see the power and the courage that makes it possible for him to do that. We've heard today, I keep hearing many people, I mentioned, just mentioned it, but there's a very twisted sense of fatherhood in our world. Something that didn't exist even 50 years ago. We've lost that vision that St. Joseph can give us. And I think that fathers need to gather together around him to learn once again what it means to be a father, to learn that strength, that courage, that humility. Another quality, isn't it? A strange quality. Humility always goes with courage. Only the courageous can be humble. The proud can't be. St. Joseph could do that. He had the courage of humility the courage to do what he had to do, the courage to be silent. Now that takes courage, doesn't it? Do you ever go into a group of people and say to yourself, I'm not going to talk as much today as I usually talk. I'm going to really be much more careful. I'm going to let everybody else talk. How, how often does that ever happen in your life? That you actually carry that out? That you're able to be silent and to listen? We don't want to do that because it takes such great courage to do that. All of those things that I just spoke of in St. Joseph take an incredible courage. The silence, the obedience, any coward 
can appear to be uh, can be disobedient or talk a lot. But all those things take great courage, and he was that courageous man. Not the ordinary courage of our world, but that spiritual courage which is so unusual today in our world. So, in conclusion, I would encourage us all to spend more time in reflection on St. Joseph and what he means to our lives and what he has to teach us, too. It's amazing, isn't it, that a man who is so distant and so mysterious can teach us so much. A man about whom we know practically nothing can teach us what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, after the Blessed Mother, even though we know little about him, he probably is going to be the second greatest disciple. Now you might say, what about the apostles? Well, okay, but the apostles were always messing things up anyway until after Pentecost. But St. Joseph was not. St. Joseph was that disciple. Whenever we see him, he is the perfect disciple. Always the one who is following. Always the one who is compromised, who is willing to give of himself to do what needs to be done. Never once in the scriptures does he ever promote himself. Again, I, I've often spoken, I just mentioned about the idea of self-esteem. We live in a world that's obsessed with it. We go around trying to enhance our self-esteem all the time. It really becomes very tiresome, and usually at someone else's expense, by the way. Uh, St. Joseph never does that. Never. Never once does he ever try to promote himself. Uh, it's always somebody else. And yet, we all know he must have been a very strong character to be the, the guardian of our Lord and the Blessed Mother for all those years. So... Uh, Spend time with St. Joseph. Ask him to be a father to you. You know what Pope Benedict said about fatherhood? He said today, when so many people are having very poor experiences of fatherhood, remember one bishop said about atheism, he said all atheists hate their fathers. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, there's a lot to be said for that. But in a world, when we've lost the idea of fatherhood, Pope Benedict said, It takes a great grace to be able to overcome that loss and to experience fatherhood once again through the fatherhood of God and the fatherhood of St. Joseph. So if you know people are having problems with fatherhood, tell them to go to St. Joseph. Tell them to go back and learn what it means to have a father. A mysterious father, a silent father, but yet we can all get to know him. We forget that, don't we? We can get, get, the, the saints are far more alive than we are they can still be very much a part of our lives, and they should be part of our lives. We should be speaking to the saints. We should be relating to them, particularly in this case of St. Joseph. When the world needs fatherhood, we go to God the Father, and God has given us St. Joseph as an earthly image of what an earthly father ought to be. So, there we are, St. Joseph, and uh, let us pray. St. Joseph, we come to you as a father and a friend. Help us to understand your fathership. Help us to relate to it. Help us to come to you as father, to relate to you as father, and to feel secure in you as father as you bring God the Father to us. Help help us always to be obedient children. Help us in particular to be witnesses of your love and your courage to our world. Make us truly active and truly contemplative. 
Give us vision of where we are going and a real sense of where we are. You had those qualities. And most of all, help us to relate to our Lord and to your spouse, the Blessed Mother. Help us to know them as you know them. And help us to accept them as you did. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.